On show 114, should designers stick to designing? What goes into a usability test script? And we talk to Alex Moglewski, I think, from Microsoft about Internet Explorer 8. Welcome to BirdWorld.com. Podcast for those involved in designing, developing Podcast and running websites. Designing, developing and running websites. This is what everybody waits for. This is what everybody waits for. Welcome to the 114th episode of BoagWorld.com, a podcast for those involved in designing, developing, and running websites on a daily basis. You're, you just, are. you're just being nice. I'm in a cheerful mood. No, but you're being nice to the listener because there isn't going to be one next week. That's all it is. They know that it's already. Just sucking we, up. We, to told, you. we told them Trying that last week. Trying to make week. you feel good. We told them that last week, and they really don't care that much. <laughs> Hello, my name's Paul Baig. And my name's Marcus Lillington. And we are two days away from South by Southwest, so I've, I've got. I've they're all happy. <laughs> it's cold though. And um, it's yeah. 12 degrees. Well, it's what less is? than that here. Well, yeah, it's supposed to be less than that here. It's I'm supposed to be 25 degrees out there. Oh, stop your whinging. You always find the bad side of everything. <laughs> it's like a week off of work. Well, uh, other than all the work we're oh, taking. But Yeah, so I'm going to be working all week, Paul. What about you? Skiving? Well, I am. I've, <laughs> I've, I've already put myself down for 14 parties in the, <laughs> yeah, it's the five days <laughs> that were there. No. So that's good. Yeah, very brave, actually. Yes, well done. So I'm really excited about it. Um, now, I've had a number of people have emailed and mm. have said um, that, you know, that they, they fancy meeting up, which is really cool. But I'm far too disorganized to actually arrange anything ahead of time. So as I, I've already said, just add me to Twitter and follow me there. Also, check out um, upcoming.org. Um, if you add me there, I'm Boag World, unsurprisingly. Um, and you can see some of the things I'm half planning to go to. But do kind of just follow my feed and drop me emails as well because um, I will be getting emails as I go along. And we will hook up, certainly at some point, um, preferably outside of just the Great British Booze Up because I think that's going to be so ridiculously mad mm. that it would be quite nice to meet both of hook up with me, I'll accept um, uh, written invitations printed in gold. <laughs> Are you trying to avoid our dear listeners? <laughs> no, no, not at all. But um, I, I guess you can email me, marcus at biagworld.com, yeah. but I don't bother with that Twitter rubbish. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> Philistine. Also, um, some of you have asked when I'm speaking, because obviously that will be yeah. the highlight of South by Southwest. Late in the schedule, um, in the biggest room. Um, no, no, it's not going to be in the biggest room. It's going to all be fine biggest room, and very quiet and peaceful, and there won't be anybody there. No, but really, I wasn't joking, actually. I really do think you're in the second biggest room. What makes, you, what makes you think that? Because I'm weird with things like that, Paul. You know it's true. You're just weird, full stop. So, um, uh, yeah, really come along to that, because what I want is... is <laughs> to pack the place out. No, no. It's, it's with the, We Love Paul written, yeah, 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 t-shirts. on t-shirts. I want it so that at the end of the speaking slot, you know, the speakers always stay sitting at the top, and people come up, don't they, and they yeah. start talking to them. I'm afraid that I'm going to be sitting there by myself, mm-hmm. and that everybody else is going to have these crowds of adoring fans all around them, and I'm not going to have anybody. So you have to come to that. Um, just so you I've know... I've got a wig and a beard I could put on, Paul. And then pretend it's not me coming up to talk to you at the end of I it. I don't think anybody's going to be fooled by that. So anyway, let me tell people when it's on. 
So it's on what, Monday. 11.30? 30 on yeah. Monday. Social brand and your something or other. I should know the title of it, really. You should. Yeah. But yeah, so check that out. Really looking forward to that. And the Second biggest room. Second biggest room, apparently, according to, to Marcus. So that okay. must be it's a gonna fact. Be, it's going to be a little cupboard. I hope it is. It's going to be... No, you don't. It's going to so be one of those hope. ones downstairs. You, can you remember that there's the, there's the missing floor? There's the oh, secret yeah, the floor that no floor. one can find. Yeah. It's one lift stops at it. Yeah. And it's I the one in the, the far corner. corner. It'll be yeah. down there. So there we go. So it's all very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. But anyway, I oh suspect there's a lot of people listening to this that aren't going to South by Southwest. And I'm sick of listening to you go on about it over and over again. You never hear me do it. No, never. <laughs> you were like excited six weeks ago. It's like, like a small child on Christmas, you are. <laughs> so anyway, so shall we push on with the news? Uh, I can't think of anything else to say, so... I guess we will then. Yeah. I have got a bit, of, a bit of something that I couldn't decide whether it was in the intro or the news, but I'm going to put it in the news. I'll think of something in between, uh, then, obviously, as I always do. Yeah, okay. Let, let's give Marcus time to think. It takes a while. <laughs> okay, so the bit of news that I, I wanted to talk about was really... Um, hang on, hang, what, what, what? What? I haven't got anything to add, Paul. Oh. <laughs> But you thought you'd interrupt me anyway. <laughs> so yes, I did a little a little blog post, which I'm sure Marcus you read because you read everything I ever write. Some yes. things I do. So um, I did a little blog post, which is kind of random news of different bits and pieces that were going on. And mm. I'm not going to bore you with everything that's in that post because it, it's it's loads of cool stuff that's happening with Boagwood and Headscape actually. Indeed. So it's all very cool. But the one thing that I did want to mention um, is our forum. Now, it's been a while since I've kind of mentioned the forum on the show, um, and to be honest, that's because we have been experiencing technical <laughs> difficulties. For months. <laughs> it's been running like a dog, yeah. basically. Um, I have to confess, I stopped going in there, because it just annoyed so me so did much. So I. I, I must, stopped. I must go back in, I went, dear listener. When, when, it, when it had been moved across, I, I started going back in, knowing mm. that it was, it was performing better, and I was amazed that there were actually people that had kept going through the tough times. Manfully, yes. And, uh, well, womanfully uh, yes. as well. Yeah. Yes. So uh, uh, props to them. But personally, I gave up because it was a heap of piling crap. Mm. But it's now <laughs> fixed. <laughs> yes, Paul. <laughs> so the forum is now fixed um, and he's, he's absolutely flying. And I, I can honestly say this. And I know this sounds weird, but I can honestly say that the Boag World Forum is the best forum. <laughs> it's, it seriously, is. the best forum I have ever been involved in. And I have to say, nothing to do with me. It, it's the best forum called Boag World in the world, <laughs> isn't it? No, it's the best forum, period. It's the best forum you looked at yesterday. No, it's the best <laughs> forum, period. I tell you, the guys, that, the regulars, the people that did persevere when times were tough, they're just so incredibly helpful and so friendly mm. um, and they're really encouraging and I haven't seen one flame war in the entire forum which is unheard of you know mm. I actually speak on the subject of running communities not occasionally and I'm always going on about flame wars and dealing with difficult people there is nobody like that in, in the Boag World Forum and they're, they're even like helpful to newbies that are constantly asking the same question again and again you know um, so, so not like you at all then Paul no <laughs> So they're much nicer than I am. <laughs> much, much nicer. So definitely, 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 definitely check out the forum. It's boagworld.com forward slash forum. And um, you can find out yeah, about the cool community that's there. It's really quite a big, li- uh, big little it's community. It's quite a big little community. Yes, yeah, so that doesn't make sense. And I know what you mean, though, yeah. strangely. It's a reasonable <laughs> size, but it's got a small feel to it. Yeah. And um, if for no other reason than when you sign up, you have to go to your account section and add yourself to a map. We've now got a little Google map. 
cool. And we did this ages ago with Frapper, but it was a bit rubbish, to be honest. And oh, this, yeah, that's yeah, really cool little map, and it's really good to see where people are. And I think um, as we see where people are, we can start doing meetups there and maybe things like that. You so. are determined to go to New Zealand, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to get myself invited. So lot, <laughs> if you're in New Zealand, make sure that you um, you add yourself to the listeners' map so I can can get myself invited there, and you can all play for my flights. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> Anything else you want to mention? Uh, yes, only, you know, new product, Paul. Yes, but it isn't quite launched yet, and it's still kind of secret. Should we give away a little bit? Teaser. I didn't know it was secret. Well, Sorry. I did no, you s- can't. No, no because I mentioned it last week. I did mention it last week. Shut up. <laughs> On last week's show, I said that if you were coming to South by Southwest, um, come up to me and Accost you in me, a corridor. Accost me in a corridor, and if there's Wi-Fi, I'll let you have a look at it. But basically, um, Headscape have produced a product which is aimed at you, the <laughs> Boag World listener. Um, yeah, only. Yeah, <laughs> just, just the one. We built an entire product just for you. And it's basically a, a tool for web designers. I think we ought to tell them a bit more. I think we ought to say that it's a tool for web designers that help you get design sign-off. You know how what a pain in the arse it is with um, dealing with clients and getting the designs approved. And, you know, they then deny that they said whatever they said. So it, it helps you manage that whole process. And um, our plan is we're going to show it around a little bit at South by Southwest. We're going to get a feedback from a few other people. And then we're going to open it up initially exclusively to Boag World listeners. Um, and we're going to let you guys get in there and, and, and play with it a bit and let us know what you think and whether we're doing it right. So um, I'm really excited about that. It's going to be good. Paul's really nervous about it. I have. <laughs> I'm crapping myself about it. It's like, why people don't like it? Some people won't like it. No, I know. And you just got to oh, live with it. And that. my bigger concern is not that people don't like it, but if they go, why on earth have you built that? It's not like, <laughs> you know, it's nothing worse than when people build a product that has no use whatsoever. Well, it has a use, and you. But yeah, I mean, like it's it's making trying to make people's lives easier. You can do what it does, but it's a kind of convoluted, yeah. faffy thing. Whereas this pulls it all together into one place. I mean, basically, I've built something that I want to use. Mm. Or I make sound. I've done it all <laughs> yeah. single handedly. The whole product. <laughs> well, yeah, and I've done nothing. Do, and you do come work up with the idea. Needs, really. You know, you need help signing off. Yeah, <laughs> I need a lot of help. <laughs> so there we go. Anyway, that's all internal news, and you don't really care about that about that too much. So let's do a little bit of um, external news. What's going on in the world of web design at the moment? First, I want to mention something called MoFuse. Do you reckon that's how you say it? Mofuse. Mofuse, dude. <laughs> um, it is an interesting site that I've come, uh, come across recently. And I've talked a lot in the past about the mobile web and that uh, there's a new generation of internet-enabled devices, let's face it, inspired by the iPhone. Um, and we all need to start thinking about kind of mobilizing our sites as quickly as possible. And Mofuse makes this a painless process. It takes your RSS feed and tailors it for different mobile devices. So you can take any RSS feed, feed it in, and it basically makes a mobile site out of it. Um, so, for example... That's on, bloody clever. It is very <laughs> clever. So, for example, even tailors it for specific mobile devices. So what it gives you on an iPhone is different to what you get on, I don't know, a WAP phone, My for example. Palm. Or your Palm. Hmm. And um, so it's very, very cool. And you can also then add static pages as well. Um, you know, in addition to the RSS feed, you can add it. There's a comments feature you can add into it if you want to. And best of all... It's all free. 
Blimey. Absolutely free. They do have a pro account, and that allows you to do certain extra customization stuff, adding your own branding, have your own URL, that kind of stuff. Um, now, I have to stress, it's not an ideal solution. It would be much better to handcraft a perfectly wonderful, you know, designed mm. site for mobile devices. But let's face it, most of us don't have the budget for, uh, for that. And it's a good st- starting point, especially if you're just trying to mobilize your own personal blog. Obviously, I then did go out and create a mobile version of Boag World. <laughs> because it'd be silly not to. So you can check that out by going to m.boagworld.com. So http colon forward slash forward slash. I'm going to have to go and get my, my Palm Pilot now and see. You can have a little play in just a moment. <laughs> Thanks, so, um Yeah, and it's very, very cool. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah, so you could even, if you've got an iPhone, you can even stream the podcast from it. So you can go in, you can set, click, click to download the podcast, and then you can, you can listen to it straight off the device, which is very cool. So there you go. Check that out at MoFuse. And again, we'll put links in the show notes at baragworld.com forward slash podcast, select episode 114. Okay, next news story up is layouts, do's and don'ts. Um, basically, I came across a post by Andy uh, Ruttage. Yes, that's right. My uh, my vision's going for some reason. I can't read my small type. That's what happens when you go and print out something at half size. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's written a post on bad layout conventions. Um, and he highlights two problems, I guess, with the way people lay out websites. The first is that three-column layout, when you have a main column framed by two side columns. And uh, Andy argues that this creates several problems and demonstrates how you can improve things. And what's really nice is he demonstrates with the real website. So he takes the Apple Store, mm. which has that three-column with two side columns either side, um, and he redesigns it with the two side columns still, but to the right-hand side, so the main content sits to the left. And I've got to say, it instantly looks so much better. And it's like we're so used to seeing those that kind of toilet roll layout, as I yeah. call it for some reason. But, but by making that change, it really makes a huge difference. And I was amazingly impressed. <clears throat> the second problem that he identifies, uh, it's a bit harder to describe on an audio podcast, and even he had to show pictures of how it works. But with a lot of websites, you have like, vertical blocks of columns so uh, content so you might have three columns kind of side by side Mm. um and and you'd have different kind of blocks of content running vertically down those three various columns and they're all different lengths and stuff like that yeah and he argues that makes scrolling incredibly difficult and scanning very difficult Mm. to kind of see what's going on where and again andy demonstrates um the problem by fixing an example site and he uses a kind of horizontal approach yeah yeah in kind of neat, neat lines. And it's really good, really well thought through. Is that using fixed width design? Um, no, that would work with variable width well, as well. It would work, but you could end up with very long You could sentences. do, but he kind of, he still has different block. You need to look at the screenshot. Okay. Go along to boagworld.com <laughs> <laughs> episode 114 and follow the link. I'll do that. But what's interesting is at the same time this, this post came out from Andy, um, also the guys over at the Web Designer Wall, uh, wall put out some inspirational grid-based designs. Now, I actually saw the Web Design Wall um, post before I saw Andy's post. Um, and, and I was, wow, you know, these are really cool designs. I really like them, etc. I then went off and read Andy's post and came back mm. to this. And I have to say... It really has changed my view about what's good with layout design, which I always think is a, a sign of a good post if it kind of changes mm. the way you think about Definitely. things. So I've got links to um, the web design uh, wall 
um, inspirational grid-based designs as well in the show notes. So check out both of those. It will change the way you perceive. It'll change them. your life. No, I won't uh, go that far. No, okay. But what will change your life, he said in a seamless <laughs> thing. What have I done? <laughs> that is e- equally unbelievable. Okay, I, you remember how I used to be very anti-Mac? And how... <laughs> no, and how I can't the, remember that at all. How on the show I used to be quite critical of Macs, and then I went and got one, and now I'm an ardent Mac fan and always pushing Macs? Well, y- yes. How, how do I know that then? Um... It's happened again. <laughs> So you remember how on numerous times on the show, don't yeah. worry, I haven't switched back to PCs, now you're about to buy a Mac. I was going to um, say, it, what that I mean, would surprise me. It's that same, I'm going to have to eat my words type of thing. So for a long time on the show, I've often complained about frameworks of my JavaScript frameworks mm. and these libraries that people don't yeah, understand they're rubbish, they work they? and all yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, they're not. No, suddenly <laughs> they're not. Well, they, they kind of are. I, I still kind of stand by the principle that... Um, this is where you were, somewhere between Macs and PCs. I still kind of stand by what I said about that. Yeah. Well, I do still kind of... You water it down little by little by little, and then all of a sudden, what you said before didn't happen. (laughs) Shut (laughs) up. (laughs) I I can't argue because it's true. Um, So, yeah, I kind of stand by what I said before. Uh, in the sense, I think you need to you need to know what you're doing with JavaScript before you get involved in any of these libraries. Um, And I've never really kind of gone for any of the libraries because i haven't been confident enough in javascript and also because a lot of the libraries are badly documented and and quite hard to grasp Sounds and stuff like, like that poor excuses to me but yeah okay. well no it's true i mean just simply because i didn't understand them you know they were kind of too complicated really for me mm-hmm. but um but I, i've just been we had um christian hellman on the show didn't we, a couple of weeks yeah. ago uh, talking about common javascript mistakes and he challenged my assumption about frameworks being bad and libraries being bad and stuff um, and so I started to have a look around, and, and then I came across a tutorial this week aimed at introducing something called jQuery, which is one of these libraries, to designers specifically. And I have to say, it absolutely blew me away. Not only is jQuery, one of my criticisms about libraries is they're big, sprawling, massive things that are, are massive to d- download. And not only is jQuery very small at about 29K, it also reduces the amount of code you have to write considerably, basically um, allowing you to get back those extra bytes fairly quickly. So I think you'll recover it quite quick. Hmm. However, what I love most of all about jQuery um, from looking at it is it behaves just like CSS. So um, to find an element by, say, tag or class name or ID, you don't have to use get element by, which is what you normally have to use in JavaScript, get element by ID, get element by uh, tag name or whatever. Um, it, it works in the same way as CSS works. But, um, so you put hash when you're after an ID, you put um, a period when you're after a, um, a class, and you just put a tag name when you're after a tag name. It's so much simpler and it, easier to read and easier to understand. And also it does all this kind of cool animation functionality which makes every designer drool, really. <laughs> so it feels like very much a library that's suited to designers. Apparently from kind of asking around at the kind of hardcore JavaScript techie guys like... Um, uh, Drew mentioned this and um, Christian Helmer mentioned it, that it's not great if you're doing hugely complex stuff. Mm. But most of the stuff that kind of I do and most designers do is, you know, I don't know, fady boxes and, and you know, expandable and collapsible areas and things like that. And it looks ideally suited to that. So I'm having to backpa- uh, backpack, <laughs> backpedal a little over Backtrack. that. Backtrack. Backtrack. Thank you. Mm. 
Um, but there we go. I'm willing to... I'm a big man. I can admit my own mistakes. <laughs> I think that's a sign of maturity. It is. You're a real man now. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, let's move on to um, our feature section of the show. I'm sure it must be your turn to do a feature, Marcus. Um, what's this podcast called? Yeah, I know, but it's everybody it's goes. Podcast. We want Paul's more. The big star. We want more of Marcus. He's lovely. We <laughs> like him. He's got twinkly eyes. Do they really say that, Paul? No, they don't. Okay, well that's that then. Okay, but you're doing next time then. Uh, After South by Southwest, you can do a what I've learned from South by Southwest. Okay, cannot go back to school. What did you do in yes. the summer holidays? We will be doing a test. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah you can do that next week so this week All right. because i'm lazy i'm just lifting a chunk from my book hooray <laughs> well it's like Paul kill two birds lazy. in one stone so i've been writing a chapter on usability and usability testing at the moment halfway through chapter six well, it probably changed by the time the book is released okay. but anyway how many chapters are in the book Paul? 12 we halfway should have worked that out there. halfway through, I said. <laughs> chapter six. So how many <laughs> chapters do you think there I are? I wasn't 20? actually listening to you, oh, Paul. Well, there you That's go. Why? So um, we're looking <laughs> at usability testing. Um, and we've talked quite a lot about this before. And we've talked about the benefits of usability testing. We've looked at how to test on a budget and stuff like that. But we never actually looked at what goes into a usability test script. Mm. And as that's what I've been writing about, I thought I would share it with the world at large. Mm. Oh, by the way, mm. it won't be long. I hope it won't be long before we'll be releasing Chapter 1 free for people to download. So cool. exciting. I'm going to let people That's know good. when that happens. So, what it, should go It's actually in quite good. I read it. Well, well compliments first chapter indeed. was, anyway. Yeah, you can get, <laughs> get past that. Um, so, what should go in a usability test script? Well, that largely depends on what you're testing. <laughs> um, if you're testing design concepts, then your testing is going to be fairly limited to things like navigation, communication, or call messages. Mm. You know, maybe you do some flash testing, um, which we talked about before on the show. But your options are limited, basically. However, if you're testing a wireframe or a version of the site, then your options are much, you know, wider. Yeah. Um, in such cases, you can uh, test completion of tasks and that kind of thing. For example, you could test on um, the price of a particular product or the content, um, you know, uh, contact details of a key member of stuff, that kind of thing. Set people tasks. Go yes. and do that. Yes. And watch them flounder. So what task you, you pick is kind of dependent on the users that you have. You know, so let me give you an example. Let's say we had um, somebody called Jane, a persona that we've created about this fictional person called They're always Jane. Called, they always have names like Jane, Jane and, and John. Anne. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, maybe this person is considering uh, attending a health spa. Um, so the two pieces of information that she might want to get hold of is, say, price and availability. It's therefore logical that when you do the testing that you do tests about finding things like price and availability. Mm -hmm. So although what you're testing can vary, there is some information that should always be included. So what I've done in the book and what I'd like to do now is a fictional transcript demonstrating the kind of things that should always be covered. Sort of set, set up stuff yes yeah the kind of stuff that should go at the beginning really informational so marcus is going to be our facilitator <sighs> and he's going to read from the test script it's a bit of a it's obviously a bit kind of what's the word um you know when something is Forced. contrived <laughs> yes contrived, that's the word. yeah but you'll maybe slightly just yes. slightly i'll try not to put on my really sarky voice no um, put on your kind of sincere chatty voice oh god no that'd be worse i'll just try <laughs> be normal right because this is the informational part of the show yes people are supposed to learn something yes i'll just play my bit 
Hi, Jane. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Marcus, and I'm going to be running the session. Joining me is Paul. I have asked hello. him along. <laughs> I have asked him along to take some notes as we talk. I hope that's okay. So basically lesson there kick off by introducing yourself introduce anybody else in the room as well and certainly explain which we haven't included in this any recording equipment that may be in the room you know video recorders or even audio recorders it's all about making um the person feel comfortable like they know what's going on and they know what's happening um you know people having a room full of people meeting new people can all be intimidating and, mm. and in order to get the best results you want people to be as relaxed as possible absolutely the idea of this meeting is to see if we can improve a website that is currently under development. You are going to help us test the site. It's important to understand that we are testing the site and not you, so you can relax. Did you catch the emphasis there that the, the site that Marcus placed? <laughs> test the site and not you. So basically, it's really important to make a user feel like they're not being tested. Hmm. You know, we all hate tests and examinations and things like that. So it's got to be clear that you're testing the website and, and not um, actually the you know individual. Interestingly, someone in the comments, sorry, I can't remember your name, which is really annoying me, but someone in the comments said, well, perhaps you should avoid using the word test at all. And I can kind of see their point of view on that. And, you know, I think that's got a place. I don't know about that because nearly everyone does come in and think that they're being tested. Mm. They think that it's it's they've got to get it right. There's Mm. a right way for this and there's a wrong way and I'm going to get it wrong. So if you say to them that you're testing the site, Mm -hmm. it's almost like that makes them relax more than if you were trying to kind of disguise it. Yeah. In my view. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I mean, actually, this guy, whoever it was, uh, made some really good comments. Really horrible having to say this guy and you can't remember the name. I should do my research. You should. Um, He also made a really good comment about um, the fact that it's good to encourage people as they're talking and say, hey, look, you know, the feedback you're giving is really useful. That's really great. Thank you for saying that. It all helps relax people and to make them open up a bit more. Okay. I should also explain that there are no right or wrong answers, so don't worry about messing up. We need you to be honest. If you are struggling with something or don't like the way it works, say so. You aren't going to offend anybody. So, yeah, basically, as we've just said, that um, if you, you need to get away from this idea of right or wrong answers. If the user thinks there's right or wrong answers, then they're going to start telling you what they think they should be saying rather than actually what they feel. So avoid that. Also, uh, many people do worry. It's something I, I can understand <laughs> myself. It's not something that comes to natural, but some people worry about what other people feel. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, so this can, they worry about offending the facilitator with negative comments and stuff. So mm. try and address that as it's important to um, stress that honesty is really what you're after here and no one's going to take offense. Usually gets a laugh, that one. That, uh, yes, you can slag the designer off as much as you like because it's not my work. <laughs> and relaxing them even more in the process. Yeah, laughing's good. T- yeah. Coffee's good as well. Coffee, yeah. offering them a cup of coffee. Yeah. Well, well yeah. Can I have a coffee? No. Get on with it. Don't offer me a coffee. No. Ever. Get on with it. I got you a drink earlier. Water from the. That's dispenser. true. That's true. Actually, it's more than I did for you. Right. Anyway, it's moving on. Um, uh, da, do, do. The most important thing to remember is that we need you to explain what you are thinking. Try to think out loud and talk about the various options you are considering. Before you click on any link, explain what other options you considered and why you picked the one you did. 
Okay, so getting the user to articulate their thoughts, basically, which, as we all know, is fundamental to the success it's of a usability pointless session. If they do it in silence, yes, because you won't know what's I going on. You could video them. You but could then do an awful lot of analysis following. Yes, it's much easier just to get them to talk about what they're doing. I really, this can't be stressed enough. It, you, it, and I would say, even though if you've explained this up front, as we're suggesting here, you need to still prompt them throughout the session. What are you thinking? Yep. What are you doing? All the rest of it. We also uh, try and encourage people not to click on anything until they first explain why they want to click on it and what other options they consider we find that this helps to you know encourage people to articulate what they're doing and stops them just starting to click randomly through the site at a rate of knots hmm. it's a little bit contrived i suppose a little bit um you know having it, making them talk before they click on anything and it wouldn't do that in reality but it certainly helps to know what's going on finally if you have any questions please feel free to ask I might not be able to answer them straight away because this could prejudice the testing. However, I will answer them at the end. Getting questions is very good to get people to um, relax and feel like they know exactly what's going on, what's happening. But like, like it says there, you know, you're not always able to answer every question, especially when they start asking questions about, am I doing it right? And should I be clicking on this and things like that? You know, you can't answer those questions. But do address them at the end. Do, you know, come back to those different issues and, and talk them through. Um, it's, it's what just I've practice. found, um, yeah. actually, with that particular aspect of it is because I do struggle sometimes not helping them holding mm-hmm. their hand through certain tasks. But if we're doing quite a lot, you do tend to find the real howlers, like the yeah. major mistakes that everyone's going to get wrong or get lost at mm-hmm. so at that point it's worth thinking well i'll just prompt them through this bit. yeah i mean the, the trouble is is if every, everybody's getting caught up so dramatically yeah. on one problem yeah. you're not finding anything deeper down so exactly. you're almost better you know once you've realized that that's a big problem you're better moving them on to the next thing yeah i agree okay let's start off with something easy can you tell me about a bit about yourself tell me about your job so it's good to begin a session with easy questions. This is mm. something learnt from deli marketers that and ring you up. what's your name? Yes. <laughs> and, it, you know, they, they realise that if they can get you answering basic, basic questions at the beginning, then chances are you'll go through and answer all the others. Start off with easy stuff. Again, it helps to relax people. It helps to build their confidence and gets them going in the process. Um, and you find, it, you find that if you start off with easy stuff, they tend to be much more talkative later on down the line. Tell me a bit about your computer experience. How, conf- how confident do you feel using a PC? Do you use them at work? What about at home? How much do you use the internet? What kind of sites do you use regularly and find most useful? So um, a bit in the same way as um, asking them a bit about themselves builds up some background information. Obviously, this helps to build up some background mm. information as well. And it weeds out people that may be uh, an anomaly in your target audience. For example, um, you know, you might be interviewing, a, you know, an over 60s audience or whatever. Um, and you accidentally you get one person that's a kind of enthusiastic amateur web designer in their spare time. Yeah. And it's, it's going to throw out your results if you're not careful. So that kind of background information is pretty important important really okay let's talk about the site it's a site for a health spa before i show you the site i want to ask you about your expectations what do you think a health spa website should look like and what information would it contain so uh, yeah this is this is doesn't always happen on um usability testing but we found it works quite well which is asking users about their expectations before they start 
if the expe- expectations are not bared up by the reality of the site, it can cause confusion and the user can be left unsure of what to do next. Mm. Asking about expectations provides an opportunity um, for you to see whether the site is going in the right direction, really. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's very, very revealing. You've got to be a bit careful. We've found this uh, once or twice in the past. If you're testing um, or updating an existing site and you're changing the information architecture, say, that kind of kind of thing, and you're, the user base that you've, you've got in and you're interviewing and you're doing the testing are very familiar with the old site and they, ha- yeah. they had to learn how to use it because it was hard, but yeah. now they know that's what they're used to. You've got to be, kind of bear that in mind because yeah. they might say, well, it's not like the, ex- the current one or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, I mean that's that's a whole thing about um reporting isn't it and mm. and 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 analyzing the results you've got and how to know what to do and what not to do and it actually that'll probably be the next session that I do a feature on oh, okay. because that's what I've started writing in the book again. <laughs> but you get the idea. Yeah, I've got it. So basically, the session would continue um, to address specific issues related to the stage of development you're at. Um, but basically, your testing comes down to does the user understand what they're saying, seeing or the completion of certain tasks. So hopefully that gives you a bit of an idea of some of the stuff that goes in a user test session. And as I said, next time we'll look at how to analyze the results and get the most out of them. So I think that wraps up the feature. Shall we move on? Let's move on. Okay, so normally we launch straight into the interview section of the show without hesitation, deviation, devi- <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, hesitation, that- deviation, or the other word that I can't remember. Repetition. Repetition, yeah. That's uh, it's funny because this is about the 50th time we've recorded this bit because we've been having problems with audio and every other time it's worked. And I bet you anything that this will be the recording that goes on the show. But yeah. anyway, so normally we do just launch into these things, but... Paul's got excuses to make. I've got, I've got an excuse to make. So, so we did this interview with Alex from Microsoft. A really good interview. Very, very funny guy. Hmm. Well, he's not. He's very deadpan. And we had a very sensible conversation. And just in the middle of it, he really caught me with something that really made me laugh. But you'll hear that for yourself <laughs> when you listen to it in a minute. But um, I got an email from him a few days after the show, uh, or after we did the recording, uh, saying that, well, possibly maybe by the time the sh- uh, this actually is broadcast, there might be a time tiny little bit of inaccuracy in what was said oh, i like that inaccuracy inaccuracy <laughs> downright wrong and he wouldn't tell me what it was turn around yes he <laughs> couldn't really tell me what it was at the time but but now we all know because last night microsoft announced that internet explorer 8 will be standards compliant by default so changing this whole version targeting thing where you had to tell ie8 to behave like ie8 now it will do by default and and people who want their site to still render as ie7 will have to say specifically that Hmm. now i kind of understood microsoft's position on this previously to be honest um and they are potentially going to face real problems when uh people's sites get broken um when it renders as ie8 rather than ie7 and Hmm. and um it'll be interesting to see what happens when they release the beta but they have changed their position over this and they've changed it primarily because of the web design community a lot of people have complained about this Yeah, which is really good. Good for them. Mm. Good for them. And they are going to take flack down the line. And I think it it falls to us as uh, the web standards community to really back them up 
over this decision and, and to give them the support they deserve. So good for them. Now, hopefully that won't in any way ruin the interview that you're about to hear, simply because we don't really touch on it that much. We we kind of covered the subject to death, what with Eric Meyer mm-hmm. and uh, John Oxton and John Hicks. So we didn't spend too long on version targeting, but there is loads of really good stuff in this interview, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Okay, joining me today is Alex from Microsoft. Now, Alex... Have you noticed how I avoided trying to say your surname there? How do you pronounce it? Mogilevsky. Oh, well, I haven't got hope, have I? I'm doomed. (laughs) But it's good to have you on the show anyway. Now, it's really nice of you to come on. Uh, We thought it'd be good to get you on the show um, to to talk a little bit about Internet Explorer because I understand um, that that's what you're currently involved with. But before we get on to that, can you give the listeners a bit of a background as to who you are and what you do and, and, you know, kind of how you ended up being involved with Internet Explorer? Uh, Yeah, I'm uh, I'm at Microsoft for about 15 years now. And uh, I worked on uh, all kinds of text projects from Word to uh, Publisher and uh, Internet Explorer now. I first worked on it uh, at the end of A5. So uh, it is uh, my, technically it's my fifth version of uh, Internet Explorer, although the, f- the, the real big one that I worked on is, was IE55. Okay. I, I have a reason to not like 0.5 versions because that was really a big, a big, uh, a big project for me, and I have to explain it was a, a 5.5. Right. <laughs> yeah, it may be a, a 0.5 version number, but it was massive to you. I, I get the idea. Well, obviously, um, part of the reason that we got you on the show today is is to um, talk about uh, version targeting, but we also want to talk about a lot of different things as well. Um, how you see the browser developing in the future, um, what the futures of, of, of browsers generally is, and that kind of thing. But let's let's kick off with the subject of version targeting. I mean, did you expect the kind of level of reaction that you got off of the back of this? It is. It was surprising to see huge negative reaction from uh, from people on the web when we published. I don't. Know, I don't know. There are probably hundreds and hundreds of comments on IE blog, and it's hard to find a positive one <laughs> when you. <laughs> when you, when you talk to somebody who is uh, uh, is actually creating content for the web uh, and I get a little uh, a little time to explain them what the concept is uh, everybody agrees that uh, well there is some content there that has to be a way to figure out what the author was thinking when they were creating it so you should be kind of marking that content with some clue for the browser to render it properly it uh, yeah it is uh, it is quite amazing for me that uh, uh, people who don't uh, who disagree with versioning put point point fingers at microsoft that it, it is totally a microsoft thing i mean it's interesting isn't it because uh, one of the the reasons that people said that that microsoft introduced versioning was um, because there was such a, a, you know, a kind of kickback over um, Internet Explorer 7 breaking the web, as as has been put. Um, would you think that Internet Explorer 7 was perceived as a failure with, within Microsoft? Many people seem to have kind of thought of it, you know, or, or there's this perception that that's the way it's perceived within Microsoft. Is that actually the case? Well, I, I, it depends on how you define the failure. Uh, I think uh, from one point of view, it didn't do enough. From another, it did too much. Right. So, so we uh, we tried to do honestly what uh, everybody 
asked us to do to to go and be more standard mm-hmm. and uh, we didn't uh, get standard enough it's not it's not a hundred percent of standard but uh, the the little that we did broke so much that we really we learned hard the way that we can't make any progress without without doing something about not breaking existing web mm. Do you think with the the kind of issue, you know, one of the the main comment that I've read about uh, the versioning, um, version targeting, is the fact that by default, um, you know, that you have to kind of opt into version targeting in effect to opt out of it. That that by default it will it will render as IE seven for for time immemorial. Uh, do you think that that's likely to change before the release of IE eight, or is or is Microsoft fairly set on that now? I don't think we have any any other option. Uh, mm. What would that option be? Is uh, go and visit every website on the web and uh, opt it out, and uh, carefully figure out which ones are actually designed to work with IE8, even though like, they couldn't possibly have known what it means. So, do you think it would be too much of a, you know, a burden on on? Um people out there creating websites that when when they're seeing a problem and they're they're coming to you and saying why does ie8 you know break my my uh my website yeah telling them just to add another single uh, line of code you know do you think that's that's asking too much Uh, well uh, i I think any assumption like this assumes that uh uh, every site uh, out there actually has a person uh, who uh, who understands what uh, why it is what it is and actually capable of uh, fixing them. vast majority of people publishing, they, they don't know what a version is. <laughs> they don't know if their site is in quirks mode or in standards mode. Uh, they, will, they will tell this is a browser bug, but uh, um, may, maybe there is something that uh, is uh, relying on a, on a bug in previous browsers where yeah. all browsers were compatible in being non-standard uh, i'm i'm in agreement i think i think you've come up i mean it is a compromise what you guys have come up with but it's a you know as compromises go i think it's a very good one and and i i think it's much more important to keep the web an environment that anybody can put information up on without having to be an expert in web design and if that means that as professional web designers we would put we, you know we're slightly inconvenienced that seems to be a uh, a price worth paying from my point of view. But let's move on from version targeting because um, we've talked about it far too much on the show. It, let's let's talk a little bit about um, the process of developing a web browser. You know, okay. I, I think for a lot of web designers, we're, we're entirely on the side of obviously, you know, putting things into a web browser, getting things to render correctly. But, you know, how do you go about creating a web browser? What's involved? What, you know, what should we be aware of? Well, a web browser is an enormously complicated thing, and it uh, there is a reason uh, new browsers don't show up too much. You have to uh, you have to build at the same time a decent editor, uh, a rendering system that can render almost any kind of uh, text and graphics, and uh, it has to be fast, it has to have object model, has to parse a variety of different things, and it has to be compliant with, uh, with a standard, which is, uh, which is a book of, uh, of two or three inches thick, if you count uh, HTML and CSS and object models. Yeah. 
I mean, what's, uh, you know, you say that, that developing a browser is, is hugely complex, and and obviously it is, um, and that's part of the reason why browsers don't come across, you know around very often um, or updates to browsers. But on the other hand, we do seem to see other browser manufacturers moving much quicker than than Microsoft. What? Why is that? Why does you know there seem to be slower movement out of Microsoft than elsewhere? Uh, well, I think I think the reason uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure much quicker is um, uh, is the right way to to describe this. Uh, uh, the reason uh, a lot of browsers uh, are way ahead of Microsoft in a particular uh, standard support is, uh, I think, for two reasons. Is why first we actually care about standards, and second, we are nice people. <laughs> <laughs> but by implication, you're you're implying that no one else is nice and no one else cares about standards. Uh, 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 no, I'm well, sure that's well, not no, true. No, no, not really. Like uh, this, this is how this happened. Now, when we started working in browsers, which was like IE one, two, three, four uh, in in nineties, um, there wasn't uh, there wasn't so much of a standard. There was uh, some idea you can mark text with. Uh, uh, Tags with in angle brackets uh, and uh, uh, it will render somehow. So, so a B means bold. And uh, eventually, the, uh, some kind of de facto standards developed, and the, uh, every site was built for Netscape, uh, and it was important to be uh, to be like Netscape, and that was pretty much a standard. So mm-hmm. when we when we built uh, built a browser at that, at the time. We uh, were trying to be as compatible with that standard as possible, and then what happened? Uh, Netscape uh, just uh, went uh, went away for a few years, and we were le- left alone. There was not, nobody to compete with, so uh, that, that's a hard hard place to be. You have to be compatible with with the web. You can't break anything. Uh, so uh, how do you how how do you Make progress at the time, and there was no versioning. Mm. So uh, at that at that point, we decided to be uh, to be nice and uh, uh, return the favor to the to to other browsers, and we went away for five years and <laughs> we're sitting for five years <laughs> on the beach, and uh, and letting everybody everybody else catch up, uh, uh, oh, be, being nice. being nice to them, and let uh, let the competition <laughs> uh, competition move. No. <laughs> No, that no, was they... really generous of you. That was a wonderful thing. That's a good answer. I like that answer, Alex. No, no, okay. no. Every, everybody, everybody's caught up. We can, uh, we can be in the game together. Okay. So, so now that now everybody's at the same level, you're going to go for it majorly. So, I mean, that brings us quite nicely onto kind of the future of of, of browsers. Um, you know, and particularly ie8 now obviously you can't really tell us anything that already isn't publicly known and already publicly out there and i I wouldn't expect you to but you know not everybody that listens to this podcast necessarily knows all that is publicly out there about internet explorer 8 so you know so maybe tell us what kind of direction you're going in you know how are you going to compete with these other browsers out there now that now that they've caught you up well the, the biggest thing to know about ie8 is that it is back uh, like we have, uh, we have a real team of people who are really serious about building a good browser. And the biggest investment in this one is uh, is obviously standards. That's that's the biggest thing that uh, everybody uh, were uh, unhappy about with with the previous versions. And we 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 uh, get as much uh, as we can 
of good standards support in, uh, right here. Like we are making major investment in being CSS 2.1, whatever it, whatever it means to be compatible. Uh, if there is, uh, 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 it actually, it's interesting enough, it has to be defined what it means to be compatible, to say that you're compatible. And we, we are doing as much as we can in this area. And there, there will be a lot of exciting uh, user interface uh, uh, features there, but I, I, don't, I don't think I can tell about that because I'm uh, I'm really core technology person, and I okay. learn about uh, about about our UI improvements from uh, from demos. Yes, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. So, I mean, internally within, uh, are you working towards a deadline of any description over this? You know, are we, I, I presume we're not talking about another five years here. We're talking about a much shorter period of time. Definitely. It is way closer than five years. Well, that's good. You want to narrow it down any from that or am I pushing my luck? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I can, I can, I can have, uh, have a number. It is, okay. uh, unless it is publicly known... <clears throat> <clears throat> and uh, I, I haven't checked uh, uh, in, the, in the last couple of days. Oh, okay. Oh, but we, we, are going to see, we are going to see a better uh, pretty soon. We can, you, can, you, you can play with this. Uh, I'm going to set you expectations for, for a better as it's pretty low. Don't expect this to be, uh, to be high, like done and polished because what we are, what we are doing with uh, uh, new standards layout, it is, uh, it is incredibly crazy and insane uh, trying to rewrite, uh, rewrite things like this in less than 10 years. <laughs> Yeah. So, so basically, so you're suggesting that before too long we might see a beta. I mean, you, you've obviously come under a bit of attack from uh, Opera, and um, you know there, there have been several comments about that. And then you've come out and said said uh, that you've done the, the acid test. I mean, what? How big a deal really is that in a real, in the real world? Do you think it's a, a fair test of a browser? Well, it is. It is an acid test, uh, as uh, as I understand in chemistry, it uh, it checks the presence of an uh, of uh, a chemical, right? Mm -hmm. So, so it is uh, like acid two is a very interesting test. Like I spent days uh, taking this apart and figuring out what what every line means and what will it take to what features do you have to have and how they're supposed to work to uh, to render a particular pixel at a particular place. Uh, but it is. Uh, uh, it it is a quite interesting test in in, in the way that it uh, it tests uh, uh, very few features, but it tests the features in uh, corner cases of uh, interesting features uh, of of a standard. So if you would uh, you would say uh, you you would assume that if you get that far, if you if you manage to uh, if you if you manage to uh, uh, ren render text at all. Uh, and you render acid to like you're in really good shape. So I mean, is it fair to say that? I mean, because the danger is, and I've heard some people say say this, is that you know with with Internet Explorer eight that you you've just been going after being able to say yeah we passed the acid um, acid two test um, rather you know which you could kind of develop those things in isolation. But I mean, my hope and I suspect your hope as well is that you're going to go beyond that. That it's almost inconsequential that you pass the acid two test you know it's it's part of a broader aim to brought you know to to introduce better standard support is that that a fair comment no yeah yes it is yeah. uh, it's it probably probably would be uh, uh would be not unreasonable to have another browser that doesn't particularly have any improvements but passes an acid two test mm -hmm. but we're really trying to be as uh, as close to standard as possible cool
Okay. So what about, um, just let's we'll broaden it out because we, we've kind of picked on Internet Explorer quite a lot here. And, and let's broaden it out to talk about um, where browsers are going generally in, you know, in the next few years. I mean, what, what do you think we're going to see happening in, in browsers generally? Well, from from my point of view, as uh, uh, as uh, uh, standards and uh, and layout, I see uh, actually uh, actually multiple browsers being uh, being completely hundred percent compatible with CSS two point one, which uh, which mo- moves ahead both browsers and the standards to 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 really get into the new steps, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it was. Uh, it is like we, we've we've heard a lot of criticism on uh, on standards not moving. Like the CSS CSS three, yeah. some people like, saying like what like what the, trying to make sense on all all different parts of CSS three. Like what what is the next uh, next step there? And uh, in my opinion, uh, I'm I'm as uh, unhappy with uh, CSS three not not moving as uh, as designers are. Mm-hmm. But but for this to move, you have to you have to have a solid ground of uh, of the previous version, not only being a solid standard, but also uh, also being um, uh, being supported uh, supported broadly. Then uh, adding every little feature to uh, CSS three becomes important because like now like, we can have several implementation of that. So as, as far as stand, standards uh, go, I'm really looking forward to the world after IE8. <laughs> and, uh, and and there are there are, there are all, all the different directions uh, of uh, uh, of being uh, of being mobile uh, and um, and bringing uh, bringing more of uh, more of the technologies uh, in into the browsers that uh, uh, they perhaps take uh, take the byte out of flash uh, or mm. uh, out out of uh, out of pdf some something that uh, you you can where you can have uh, real content uh, that that was unthinkable for a browser a few years ago into uh, into every platform every, every place that has a good browser so i'm re- really optimistic but one th- one thing to know to understand about uh, developing a new browser is uh, uh, it's exciting for somebody who writes it and who has it, but for a web designer, um, it is like um, like making wine. Like, something happens happens today that will actually make a difference in life of a web designer ten or fifteen yeah. years from now. Uh, like when you when when you know that like whatever whatever is being shipped today, actually everybody you care about has this one. What we need you you guys to do is drop support for Internet Explorer six really quick because then we can use it as an excuse to drop support as well. <laughs> uh, well, I, th- I think this this goes uh, goes back back to versioning a little bit, and uh, uh, you know there there is three kinds of versioning. There is versioning of a standard, there is version of a version of a browser, and version of a document. The, the version of a document is something that like, we are not going to drop ever. No. Uh, uh, if if some, something is uh, is written uh, for a six today, a hundred years from now, we will still want to render it this way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we, like we, like we, we wouldn't go to li- to a library and throw away all the books that are older than hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a very good point. That's a very good point. So, so, so in this in this in this sense, like today's uh, today many many pages are uh, are in quirks mode. Like Google is in quirks mode. And if you try to render it as uh, in hundred percent standard, it will look a little different. Yeah, well, that's uh... it will look uh, it will look quite odd, by, by the way. 
that's a that's a whole nother discussion google and its standard support what about what about typography are we going to see some um some improvements on that front i mean we noticed some of the the other browsers beginning to support you know web fonts and things like that can we expect a similar thing from uh, from internet explorer well, uh, Internet Explorer supports uh, uh, font embedding for for m- several versions now, and there was um, uh, there was an extremely complicated discussion uh, within standards group uh, on uh, on uh, how how do you create a standard uh, for downloadable fonts that is uh, uh, that can be standardized but also is uh, friendly to font manufacturers mm. so to, to people to people who own fonts. Yeah. Like the, um, the, the it's it's easy to implement uh, a hyperlink to a font and that that will be downloaded uh, and um, uh, and used, but then it encourages uh, it encourages people to 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 just just put put a font out there, uh, which. Uh, which you're not supposed to do. Well, I mean, that's a, obviously this isn't this isn't down to Microsoft because this is the whole standards group discussing this. But that strikes me as no different to what we do with imagery at the moment. You know, images um, can be pirated, and you know, and that's somebody's intellectual property. But you know, it's kind of just the way things have been. Do you do you feel that there's a kind of a tightening up on things like that that people are more concerned about that than perhaps they were in the early days of the web? Yeah, it, it is a it is a, it, a, good, a good comparison of like what, what's the difference of of an image or a song uh, or a movie or, or a font. Uh, it is uh, it is probably it is just so much more expensive to build uh, to build a font that um, uh, and it is so it, it is so so easy to share if you just if you just put out a file that um, uh, uh, if we if we make if make make it easy easy to share we will, we will just uh, uh, destroy uh, business model for uh, a lot of small design companies who who build fonts so we have to be very careful on how exactly it's, uh, it's being done uh, i th- i think we are fairly close to uh, to be able to come up with it, uh, with a workable standard uh, we're just not there yet okay so so that's something that probably will turn up at some point but not necessarily in internet explorer 8 <laughs> Well, if that standard is uh, embedded open type, it's already there. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, so I, that that's good stuff. I mean, what about let, let's um, just touch on briefly um, on another kind of criticism that that really hasn't been uh, aimed at the, the Internet Explorer group, but at Microsoft as a whole, which is is um, this whole issue of Office and the latest version of Office. I know a lot of people that are passionate about HTML emails was were deeply disturbed to see that that um, the latest version of um, Outlook isn't it doesn't use Internet Explorer as its rendering engine. Can you give us any kind of insight as to what happened there? I mean, obviously it's not your area, but but it kind of does affect you guys, I guess, to some degree. Well, I, w- I wasn't part of this uh, of this decision. Uh... Yeah, but I, I can very well, well very well understand how that happened. When uh, Office 2007 was being planned, uh, IE team uh, uh, pretty much didn't exist. Like ah, okay. we, 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 we completely rebuilt the team for being, uh, for IE7. Ah. Okay. Uh, and uh, like it really like I'm not joking that we were five years on the beach. We like, uh, the, the 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 IE team stopped existing after IE6. Oh. And uh, pe- people went uh, went went off uh, doing uh, doing their own different things, and of people working on i7 on, and now on i8, there is uh, literally a handful of people who worked on a5. Right. Uh, 
so or maybe even less than half, handful it is it is a brand new team so when uh, when office uh, office uh, 2007 was being planned uh, like when when was this uh, like in 2003 uh, there wasn't anybody anybody to talk to and the biggest biggest concern about uh, html email is security mm. so 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 even uh, like even if somebody somebody wanted to build in ie 8 currently uh, uh, in a in a product uh, to to read email it would put a major uh, a major requirement uh, on uh, uh, on ie to be uh, to be able to Open all of these mails securely, mm. and uh, if you take if you take browser security and application security uh, for things like like Outlook, uh, that is secure. Like it, it, it's a multiplier, so it is yeah. way harder to uh, to build it that way. So I am, uh, I, I I think it uh, it totally sucks that you can't send HTML email, <laughs> but uh, I. Uh, I, I, th- I think the the decision that he had to to make in Office two thousand seven was really difficult. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting stuff. It's been great. I've really enjoyed chatting with you, Alex, and I feel like I've got a little bit more of an understanding of of what's gone on um, inside of Microsoft and, and and where where things have gone wrong. It sounds like a big a big part of all of this was basically um, your own success. That be, because um, other browser manufacturers disappeared and you were left alone, there wasn't the kind of investment internally within Microsoft to keep things moving forward and. And um, yeah, and it, it's had ramifications. It's very interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, th- thanks for talking to me. I have to say that you have a, a, a great, uh, a great podcast. I'm oh, learning a lot you. from you. Uh, like you, you don't even imagine how much influence you yourself have on the future of internet by just uh, putting together the show. Oh well, thanks very much, Alex. I, I'm sure I'm not that important, really, but but I'll pretend I am. So I'd, uh, thank you very much for coming on the show, and we'll we'll get you back in the future, uh, perhaps once um, Internet Explorer 8 is out in beta, and you can talk a little bit more. Then that'd be fun. I, I would love to. All right, then. thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, and so we wind our way. Eventually, yes, here we are to at listen. The end of the show. Well, probably not, but no. Let's face it; it's a big chunk still left. Yes, keep going. You can make it to the end. Keep going. <laughs> um, so we've got listeners' comments and feedback now. Um, and our first question is an audio question, all about RSS. Paul, it's Harry here. Um, anyway, yeah, it was, it was regarding um, trying to see if you've got any recommendations um, regarding the deployment of RSS. I've got a couple of clients that are looking to have an RSS feed on their site um, and looking for a way where they can um, input the story to the feed um, just by either some interface or um, through an email option um, and then be picked up on the the numerous types of news aggregators. Um, So I'm just wondering if you had any feedback or any ideas about the deployment of RSS um, and that would be interesting to hear from you. Thanks very much. Keep it the good work. Cheers, bye. Well, yeah, I would obviously answer that, but I think my uh, um, my methods are probably a bit out of date now. So I'll let you answer that one, Paul. Well, that's very kind of you. Uh, Thank you very much. I wondered whether you were going to say out of date or <laughs> too advanced. Too advanced for our, for our listeners to yeah. understand. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just ignore him. He might go away. Um, the simplest solution, obviously, here would be to use a blog, wouldn't it? Um, every, you know, whether you're using movable type, WordPress, Blogger, or any of the other blogging tools out there, all of them really create RSS feeds. 
Um, blogs are easy to set up. They're easy to customize and integrate into the rest of your site. Job done. End of question. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, actually, I, I do want to say a little bit more on it. However, because, I mean, there are some situations where a blog isn't the right solution. doesn't meet the client's requirements. For example, what if the client wanted to link to a non-blog page or maybe even a third-party site? So one option would be to use a social bookmarking tool like Delicious. This creates an RSS feed that you can link to pretty much anywhere, really. Um, Another alternative would be, say, a desktop application. A good example of that is Feed for All. Feed for All is a a cross-platform application for both Mac and PC. (laughs) So both of us would be happy, Marcus. Not for long, hey. No, that's very (laughs) true. Um, And that allows users to easily create, edit, and publish RSS feeds. It also comes with a PHP script, which enables you to convert RSS to HTML um, via PHP and to embed it in your website. So you can actually take that RSS feed and put it on the website easy enough. So hopefully that kind of helps and deals with that issue. Really not very complicated. Um, Definitely worth doing. RSS feeds rock and I seem to use them for absolutely everything at the moment. Next question comes from Travis, who will be played today by Marcus Lillington. I think he sounds remarkably like me. Um, here we go. Um, I've recently been asked to join a web development design team, de- web development slash design team, as their full-time UI designer. My responsibilities... W- my responsi- I can't talk. My Neither responsibilities would include the UI design only, and not CSS, HTML, Ajax, etc. I know the basics of CSS and HTML and have designed standard-based sites from scratch, and I'm eager to learn more code to further my skill set. I have been discouraged from learning code while in in this new position and focus on the UI design. Do most web design firms share this same structure? Good question. I'm I'm starting to flag now. You are. Take 18. I can tell. (laughs) It's amazing. I'm sure people people find it hard to believe we do multiple takes of this. (laughs) Can I say, we only do multiple takes because technology goes wrong, not because we think, oh, no, that's not good enough. (laughs) We haven't been concise enough there. We must redo it. No, believe me, we are the one-take wonders, (laughs) given the opportunity. But we listen back and go, oh. (laughs) So, excellent question, Travis. Um, One that causes much luck lively debate there's lots of noise going on mm. outside throwing me because there's much lively debate in fact it has to be said it's a very timely question as well because Cameron Mould has just asked the same question on his, his website mm. doesn't give an answer just ask a question and last time I looked it generated 114 comments so it's obviously something people feel passionate about see I think it's down to the type of agency you're working for if they are a pre-web pre-internet agency yeah right, so they do print design yeah then the format is that the graphic designers mm-hmm. obviously did the design work. Mm-hmm. Those graphic designers are probably of my era and older and are less inclined to learn new code type Old stuff. Old dogs, new tricks. But still can design interfaces. I mean, that's another uh, another long chat in itself about print designers and web design, etc. But they can usually move over to designing web design interfaces but not the codey bit so if you are working in a in a traditional agency like that chances are it is split up into people that do the new fangled code stuff yeah and the designers but just because the history says that doesn't make it right no i don't think it's right and certainly no. all our designers don't think that at all exactly and my answer is designers should be able to code and should do the code front end mm. code anyway yeah. i mean personally i don't believe that um 
you know, an interface designer can do a proper job if they don't understand the underlying code and constraints of HTML and CSS. I know what you're going to well, say. Oh, go on, yeah. get off your chest, say it. Yeah, I mean, the, the design shouldn't be constrained. It should be, the design should be the design. Free and what's, airy. What's right, what's right for the user. Yes. And pixies. And not how it fits with the code. And hey. pixies and leprechauns should assemble the code. We live in the real world, Marcus. And I do know what you're saying. And yeah, design shouldn't be constrained too much by technology, but... It's, it's the web. It's the know. other way around. It's also the people, designers who don't understand the code, code the coding side of it, might not realise that there is something that they can do as part exactly, of the Exactly. Yeah. And actually, we've uh, we've seen that a lot because mm. occasionally, very occasionally, we've been given designs mm. from advertising agencies, and you think, God, that looks like it's been designed in the 1990s mm. because they still think those kinds of constraints exist. So yeah, that's a good point. I like mm. that logic. Hadn't thought of that on take. <laughs> Four, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know, I am uh, still alive, just about. Yeah. So I think we live in the real world, and I think that designers need to design and code. Travis um, needs to push. He needs to push, 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 and yeah. basically start doing, uh, prove to them that he can do both, and then he'll start getting given projects where he can I do both. Because so. you know, the bosses of this company must, just from a purely monetarial point of view, he, he will be doing his job more effectively. They will be getting more, um, sort of from a production point of view, if he does both. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've got so I'm worried about Travis's career, to be honest. Are you? Well, yeah, I he's know. a caring guy. I am. It's like, he, he, if he's not careful, his, his boss is going to back him into a corner and limit his skill sets. I mean, I can think of a, a guy, I won't say his name, hmm. but we're hmm. talking about Rob here that we used to work with at Town Pages. Right. Right. And to some degree, I think he's been boxed into a corner a little bit, um, you know, because he, he, he left Town Pages and did more print work and hasn't really move forward on the website as much. And I think, he, you know, he, mm. to some degree, he's limiting his, his career going forward if he wants to get into that side. If he wants to do print, then that's fine. And, I'm, you know, he's certainly going to be a hell of a lot better at it than I am. Mm. But, you know, from a web point of view, I think if you, if you don't know how to do that coding, you are going to limit your opportunities. I mean, we certainly wouldn't hire anybody that couldn't do the, the coding side of things. So just be a little bit careful. And I, I, would, I would say, do you really want to continue to work for someone long-term who discourages you from expanding your skill set? And it mm. just doesn't seem to make sense. So on that happy note of Travis's doom and gloom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Resign now. That's what Paul said. <laughs> Never Walk take out any the door. advice. All advice given on this show is given under... <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. So there we go. That wraps up today's show. As always, you can get the show notes at boagworld.com forward slash podcast select show 114. Also... I'm getting to your joke, Marcus. Don't wave around jokes in front of my face. Also... Stop it. Also go to the forum at com forward slash forum. That is superb. The bestest forum in the world <laughs> Absolutely. ever. Absolutely. Yes, I forgot there for a minute. Yeah. Um, and uh, finally, we still want your audio questions. We love your audio questions. You can Skype them to Boag World Show or call a UK number of 020-8133-5122. Marcus, do the joke. Uh, but I had a finally, finally. Oh. If you're going to... Austin, see Austin. you there. Yeah. Basically, send emails to me. Yeah, you <laughs> won't get your emails. Send emails to me because I'll actually... Oh, no, you got your little doobry. Yeah, my boop doop thing. Yeah, so you can send them to Marcus at boagworld.com or Paul at boagworld.com. And it's M-A-R-C-U-S. Yes. Did I get that right? Yes. It sounded wrong when I said that out loud. No, Everybody right. always spells your name wrong. 
Do they? A lot of people call I don't. you Mark, by the way, as well. Yeah, that really That's how important you are on the show. I shouldn't say it, but that really annoys me. Oh, does it? Yeah. yeah. Not many go. things get on my wick, but call me Mark. and You'll see the back of my hand, <laughs> your man. <laughs> yeah. Go on and do the joke now. <sighs> this is from Ian. I've known the Ian joke Yay, for a while. Yeah, Hurrah. Um, right, here we go. Fred was a single guy living at home with his father and working in the family business. When he found out he was going to inherit a fortune when his sickly father died, he decided he needed a wife with whom to share his fortune. One evening, at an investment meeting, he spotted the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. Her natural beauty took his breath away. I may just look like an ordinary man, he said to her, but in just a few years my father will die and I'll inherit twenty million dollars. Impressed. The woman in t- obtained his business card, and three days later, she became his stepmother. <laughs> <laughs> Women are so much better at estate planning than men. <laughs> oh, dear. I would say that is so true. But, <laughs> but I really don't want to get in trouble with our female listeners. So, bad joke. That's sexist, and I disapprove wholeheartedly. No, it's, it's um, showing that women are actually the sort of... They have the hunting instinct better than the man. Yeah, something, oh, like, something that. like that. Yeah. Biological. Terribly, terribly drunk. <laughs> okay, so that about wraps up the show. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in two weeks. Bye. Unless we see you at South by Southwest, goodbye.